welcome to the Real Gals of Portland podcast. Three women balancing work and life in the real estate world. I'm Michelle Descombes, real estate broker, social butterfly, and a connector of people. And I'm Angela Stevens, a real estate broker, real estate investor, a house lover, a dedicated wife and mother of two. I'm Jennifer Jadibila, top producing mortgage loan officer, nurturing mother, family woman, and fashion enthusiast. Thank you for joining us. Hi, welcome back to the Real Gals of Portland podcast, us three women balancing work and life in real estate. Episode two. Episode two, guys. Yay. (laughs) Uh, We're really excited to start this. Uh, This episode, we're going to be focusing on the market kind of in a nutshell, and we will be giving you some tips on mortgage and getting pre-approved. But first... Every episode from now on, we will be checking in with each other and just kind of letting you know what's going on in our lives. And at the very end of the episode, we will be probably answering a couple questions, two to three questions. So, uh, yeah, Jen, why don't you tell me what's going on with you lately? Well, this morning, I dropped off my daughter, Bella, at daycare. And uh, both Angela and I were actually, we have stories on this because we were both (laughs) late we almost um, did a make it today. Was here. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kid free, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> no children for me. I love. I feel like else. I used to always be on time, and with a child now, I'm. You just don't know how long it's going to take mm-hmm. you to get out the door. So she actually was mm-hmm. good getting out the door, and then we got to her school, and I dropped her off, <clears> and <throat> she started bawling because she didn't. Um, say bye to her lovies. <laughs> so if you are not a mom. <laughs> Or stuffy animals. Yes. So I think some some call them stuffies. Loveys is what Bella calls her calls them. But she has this baby that is a monkey head with a little blanket, and she's had it since she was a baby. Oh. And that thing. I know has, those things. I've yeah. For kids before. Yeah. She. Um, it looks really dirty because it's been <laughs> through a lot, but it's not. I wash it all the time. The head's fallen off a couple times. Uh, so anyway, so she had a breakdown at the school because she remembered all of a sudden she didn't say bye. So um, that was 15 minutes of trying to bribe her, squeeze her arm, like I have to get to work. I even told her mommy's getting fired. <laughs> Probably not the best mom tip out there, but that, it didn't work. So then I just we'll gave her now. Uh, nothing. Her teacher took her, um, and she was crying, and I gave her a warning kiss and just kind of walked off. Yeah. Um, Pretty much same here. (laughs) Today is my youngest daughter's, um, three, third birthday. My beloved niece. I can't believe she's three. Yeah, and I dropped her off at school late, and, um, it it was during, um, like, choice time, so they get to choose what they're, what they're doing, and, um. And the teacher was like, okay, you get to choose anything. And she just would hug me and say, I choose you, mommy. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. Mom guilt is. I was like, no, I'm no fun. Yeah. You go Play-Doh. Play-Doh is so much more yeah. fun than mom. She's like, no, I choose you, mommy. So she that was really Play-Doh. hard. Um, and it took a while to get out of there. Um, but I, you know, the teacher finally took her and <laughs> distracted her. But, oh, my gosh, it's heartbreaking when your <laughs> child does not want you to leave. Yeah. Um, I guess by this point with two kids, I'm used to that, but, um, 
So that's what's going on in your lady's life. <laughs> that's like every day, every day. I mean, she doesn't break down every day, but yeah. for the most part, yes. It's just trying to get to work mm-hmm. or to the office yeah. every day. And some days are good days, some days are not. Yeah. Well, that goes for people without kids, too. Some, yeah. some days you want to get out of bed. Sometimes you just really don't. Yeah. What about you? Tell us something, Michelle. That well, for me right now, exciting. I'm renewing my license, my real estate license. Yay. You have to renew every two years, and it's your birthday month, is your like anniversary, mm-hmm. and of course, um, I'm a week away from the end of the month, mm-hmm. and I still have to get like 15 hours, so that's what I'm doing. I'm cramming in um, all these CE hours and trying to get some details because I'm planning my wedding, Yay. and I've been slacking on that. <laughs> like we. Haven't done anything since we got our save the dates out, and basically that's it. And we have many, the venue. How many months do you have? Well, we have until May, so okay. what's that? Seven yeah, months. Yeah, seven months. But that's gonna come up quick. We still gotta get the cake. Oh no, we're not doing cake. Sorry, like the food. I just meant like mm-hmm. we need to coordinate all the food. We need to figure out what caterer. We only can use theirs, and it's so annoying and so expensive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm putting it off. The food part, because yeah. it's like. I know that it's going to be thousands of dollars, and it's just like, yeah. And and the the thing is, like, people do not think about the food when they go to a wedding. I mean, I mean, maybe, but you know, well, we're foodies. Like, yeah, my fiance Chris. That makes sense. We're like, he's like a chef, but he does not professionally, but hobby. He's, I mean, he's amazing at it, and he's so creative, and so we're foodies, and. Mm And so we kind of want the food to be good, but at the same time, we're limited on our choices. So we're just kind of trying to get on the same page as far as what we want to. So anyway, lots of that going on. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. Well, good luck with your license. I did the same thing the last hour I was (laughs) finishing up my... I swear that... I'll never do that again. I swear almost (laughs) all realtors do that, though. And then we say we're never going to do that again. And then then we do. Yeah, I because do it you, every you know, time. You get, caught up. You get yeah. caught up in life. I luckily, like I've been because you have two years to accumulate thirty hours. Luckily, I already had like half of those credits just by taking continuing education classes at my office mm-hmm. or other like I know that um, Umqua or I don't know if Umqua does, but other like uh, bank establishments and title companies they offer continuing education classes. Well, I'm like certified, continue. so I've taught those classes. Nice, but that's it. That's what yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah. Well, cool. We taught a class together too. Yeah. How we all kind of mm-hmm. education is pretty big. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So tell us, uh, Jen, um, focusing in on the market a little bit. Um, Tell us what you would say is most important about um, starting to get the mortgage application process going. Okay, so um, I would say the biggest thing is when you know or you have any interest in buying a home, meet with somebody, meet with a loan officer. Even if you are a year out, um, I think it's really important to kind of sit down and it's not the funnest thing to do, mm-hmm. uh, but go over your budget and figure out one, what you're comfortable with paying because you're going to have this mortgage for a really long time. 
Um, and so I would say that just looking at your, your overall picture of, you know, kind of where you are financially. And then when you meet with the loan officer, it really kind of gives you an idea of, you know, kind of where you're going to be at or what things you need to do to prepare yourself to be ready, whether it's now or a month from now or Mm -hmm. a year from now. I think planning and preparation is huge. Um, And it doesn't really matter what the market is doing. Even, you know, rates are higher than they used to be, but they're still um, historically really low. It, It doesn't matter. I think getting a budget down and a you know, not necessarily, I want to buy a $500,000 home. It's more of, I want to pay or I'm comfortable paying this much each month. And you have to think about, you know, things. I mean, when a lender pre-approves you, they don't look at, um, you know, if you have hobbies or travel or have children and have daycare, those things, daycare is Daycare is expensive. It does not go into your DTI, which is your debt to your income. (laughs) Um, So I would say that just, you know, as soon as you know or you're like, okay, I want to start the process, even if you're not ready, I I feel like people are, they don't think they should, you know, meet with somebody. Do you start with asking, like, what they pay now? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's paying for housing. You either pay rent or you pay a mortgage. So would you say that's kind of where you start when you're asking people what they are comfortable with? Yeah. I mean, everybody is different. So every lender does it differently. I'm a little more on the, I want to educate people whether they like it or not. Um, So we have a questionnaire they fill out and it will say, what what is your max comfort zone? We give them kind of like a budget tool where they go in and fill out all their bills and kind of figure it out that way. Um, There's some lenders where, you know, people apply and they just give them a number. I mean, so if people aren't asking you when you are, you know, working with a lender, if they're not asking you a ton of questions where you feel like, okay, this person's going to know everything about me, I would be a little worried. Like you want people to know everything about you. That's good to know. I am starting to warm my so on the on the pre-approval, um, that's on the t- the topic, and we're talking about Portland market today. Um, have you seen any kind of shift in the amount of pre-approval that you're getting? Like, have you seen a slowdown, an uptick? Not really with pre-approvals. I would say more so people finding homes. So I'm seeing more on, and I see you know things a little bit differently than you guys do. Um, so they. Um, I see more people backing out of transactions because of home inspections more than I ever have. Pre-approvals, no. Like I I think people always have the goal of I want to own my own home no matter what the interest rates are doing. Yeah. Yeah, if you want it, you want it. Yeah. So no on the pre-approvals, but people actually finding homes they really want to buy, I think that slowed down a little bit. Yeah, I've seen that too. We've seen that completely. Uh, We've seen a lot more back on the market listings, Mm -hmm. um, a lot more buyers that are just not willing to take a house as is (laughs) with all the problems like we had been seeing in the past. And that kind of leads to some market stats. Yeah. Um, So when uh, every Monday, our market center at Keller Williams Realty Professionals has a meeting and we go over, um, well, lots of stuff. 
But most important, we go over like recent media articles that are explaining what's happening in the real estate world because that's what our clients are reading. That's what people are reading. And, and I think it's good that we all get our own perspective in there because we're in the thick of it. We feel it. We know it. And um, I just think it really gives us an edge because we're, we're uh, doing that every Monday. We're on top of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this week, one of like the aha moments I had was uh, the uh, home equity appreciation. Um, for instance, my clients who purchased a home just one year ago, and this is August 2018. <laughs> Sorry, September. We're in September. <laughs> <laughs> September 2018. Um, so a year ago, they bought a house, and as of now, they've already accumulated over $16,000 in equity. That is huge. Frankly, I think that's the mm-hmm. biggest reason anybody wants to buy a home because it's like a built-in savings plan. Yeah. yeah. So now my clients about a year ago have $16,000 that they can pull. And that's complicated, sure, mm-hmm. but, I mean, it's, it's nice to know they have that. And that's, yeah. I think that's... And cool. I am actually seeing more people come to us for, like, home equity lines of credit, mm-hmm. which I don't do those, but our, our bank site does, and we refer those out. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, like on a weekly, which is weird because it was not like that before. Um, well, with interest rates going up, people are like, oh, I've been I thinking about doing money. this. I better yeah. I better do something now. Or they're going to use like a home equity line versus, you know, doing a cash out refinance. Mm-hmm. Refinances have definitely gone down. And it's because, you know, they're not going to take a higher rate to take yeah. when they have that equity. That's a good point to bring up and where we're seeing kind of the shift is that is people, the refinance is going down because of, you know, the fact that interest rates are going up. So I think that that is kind of a trigger for more buyers that are sitting on the fence to maybe think about how important it is to get in now. Yeah, and I, and I think that we are seeing a lot more people use equity lines for their down on their new home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is like a built-in savings and they're kind of triggering those, you know, knowing they'll be able to sell for more and then using some of that to for their down payment. So they might not have regular savings, but they have a lot of equity. So people are taking advantage of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Should we address the topic that, you know, keeps coming up about are we in a bubble and yeah, is it bursting? Yeah, because we hear that all the time. Michelle was just talking about that. Why you um, Well, yeah. So <laughs> talk about that. Anne. So I tell this story a lot, and you know, my sister might be tired of hearing it, but <laughs> not at all. Since I got into real estate, you know, ten years ago, we were going down. Yeah, I was, you know newly licensed. It was a buyer, strong buyer's market. And so I was working with a lot of buyers and I, I was motivated, excited, smart, but I didn't have the experience to really, you know, know the importance of tracking the market, tracking your numbers, seeing where we're at. So I had a lot of buyers that were like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Like we keep going down. The market keeps going down. I'm just going to wait till it goes down. And what happened is um, well, they missed out because what, like, how do we know the market is, we're at the bottom. It's when it goes up again, right? right? So I didn't have the experience to really like educate them through that. So that was a really important thing for me. And, um, part of my growth plan is to really understand the market, to really understand like, how can I best help my clients? Because we're hearing it today. 
you know, like the market is softening a bit and it, it, it just is. So how do we, how do we analyze that? And how do we like really work that in our client's favor? And, um, you know, like depending on if you're talking to sellers or buyers, I think that there's some really good points right now because like it, we're seeing a balance. We're not seeing a bubble burst. Right. We're seeing a balance and exactly. we really need to get that straight. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're lucky because we have a lot of resources at our fingertips too. Um, for instance, I'm looking at this uh, quote from a chief economist at First American Title, Mark Fleming, and he said that um, we're seeing the first indications that price appreciation may be slowing, but market conditions support a natural moderation of house prices rather than a sharp decline. Right. So that kind of ties into what you're saying is is we're not, because everybody thinks we're going to crash, like it's just going to mm-hmm. crash, and it's yeah. not what's happening. Not. And we may see a recession. Well, no may. That that's how the that's how but it works. I don't we'll think it's always up and down. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to be anything be close to like, where we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I see it as kind of a benefit for buyers now because we were in at the bottom, where we were in a buyer's market, and sellers weren't. And but for the past what, like five? No, maybe like three, four years. It's been a strong seller's market. And for the first time, we're seeing that, like, it all comes down to the classic supply and demand, right? So that's starting to even out. And we're, for the first time in, like, a year, we're actually seeing supply go up in a positive rather than a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, I, I think people don't get, like, yes, it is good to have, um, appreciation in the market, but at the rate it was going, like it's unhealthy. so good. It's unhealthy. Yeah, like it. it's good <laughs> that it's slowing down because I mean, even you know, twelve years ago when I became a loan officer, the first time home buyer, it was the prices were like one fifty, one seventy five in the Portland market, mm-hmm. and now I mean, I feel like anything even you know. Under, I mean, what would you guys say? I mean, it's definitely nowhere close to that. Um, so, yeah, it's very unhealthy for it to keep rising as fast as it does. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I th- it yeah. was. Yeah. I think that it, it's work. It's going to work in the benefit of both yeah. buyers and sellers. It's still going to be a seller's market for a while, especially with Portland growth. But, you know, that just – that. but it's still going to be – there's going to be finally opportunities for buyers. Yeah. And there is a ton – like being built, I do way more like new construction or renovation than I did in, you know, the the past years or even a few years, even a couple years ago. There's just so much new construction going in. And we do get a lot. I mean, I would say 25, 30% of my clients last year were relocating here from yeah. California. Portland's like that last city on the West Coast to boom. And our prices are mm-hmm. nowhere close to like even Seattle or California. I mean, mm-hmm. no, can you imagine still being in the Seattle market? I mean, they've seen like 12% year over yeah. year growth, like just constantly. For the past five years. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. And that's intense. Yeah. It's super intense. And with Portland, like we saw that for, from probably from 2013 to 2016, 17. Yeah. But okay. from 2017 to 2018, we've only seen a, what was it? Seven point nine percent of appreciation value, which is quite still, different yeah. than thirteen. It's but still a lot, healthy, but it's balancing. Right. Yeah. So a healthy market appreciation averages what about four to five percent year over year, 
So we're still kind of appreciating at a faster rate than the national average, but I think that we're, it's showing that it's evening out and it's, it's yeah. not crazy. It's not crazy, right? It's not like things are skyrocketing. I mean, we saw, I think when Portland specifically, and this is my, this has mm-hmm. always been my take on it, is that um, we've always had cheap rent, cheap mortgage, like things have been fairly inexpensive here. And then suddenly we got an influx of population. Mm-hmm. And so we were just experiencing a growing pain. That's how I, that's how I think it is that it's a, it was a growing pain. Like we, we had to adjust to this huge amount of population. And while I don't agree with some of the choices that the city of Portland has been making and like the overbuilding and like not enough single family homes and whatever they've done, I still feel like we're adjusting. Like, and it's going to take time. And I think that people are, you know, however you take it, like, just need to be patient with that because. It's... Well, I think, yeah, I think of it as, I mean, I guess we're optimists in general, <laughs> but I think of it as a good thing that yeah. we're, you know, just focusing on balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're balancing out. It's really good that we're not another Seattle going like. Yeah. Just remember that the average price yeah. in like Bellevue or whatever is like nine hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're at yeah. our yeah. average price in four? Portland is like four fifteen. S- is it four fifteen? Yeah, something like that. That's average <laughs> median is like four fifty nine. I think. Yeah, which is a lot more. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, there's still like built. So we just you know um, heard from our we have a Wilson Mill location and. They had some plans on a piece of land that were approved um, back in, like, 2015, and they just, like, had uh, developed it, and they're starting to build, but there's 2,000 homes going in there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which, you know, it's obviously they're not going to build that many homes if they didn't think they could sell those. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Same with the Hillsborough. That is awesome. In the Hillsborough area. Yeah. Yeah. People are, like okay moving further out now you know and well it's yeah they're okay with some people are let's just put it that way yeah i have have a lot of conversations with people that are like i don't want to live in i want to live in portland like that's where i grew up or that's where i want to be it's the city it's like what i love and so i feel like a lot of people in like my circle of friends are just they've been pushed out there instead of like being okay with it it's like that's what they can do I don't know. I'm a suburbs girl. You know, I every you know, I think everybody has. Yeah. And everybody has their own little, you know, community. And it it just kind of depends. But that's what's so great about Portland. Yeah. There's so so many different little communities and it can offer so much for anybody that depending on what you want and making it happen, you know. And there's lots of creative ways that we can come up with as professionals to help our clients. Yeah find what they're looking for and maybe just not the exact spot they thought would mm-hmm. be the right place. That's what I'm noticing with a lot of my friends I've sold houses to lately. It's like they are in love with their house and it's just in a place they never thought of before. Yeah. And so it's just like expanding their horizons mm-hmm. and being open-minded to it. Yeah. I think being open-minded is important. Well, um, hey, I think that we're – we actually need to get to some questions. We have we questions. Got a, yeah, we got a couple yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exciting. Questions. We're excited. Thank you. Uh, so, okay, actually, these are these are for Jennifer and um, Jim from Beaverton. If I'm preparing to buy, what are the things I can do to ensure I get the best interest rate? 
Good question, Jen. Really good question, Jen. We get those questions a lot, yeah. So I would say, like, just a quick overview, which I know we're going to have future episodes that kind of go into more detail. Mm -hmm. Credit score is really important. Yes. Um, down payment could be or could not be, depending. There are first-time homebuyer programs that the down payment doesn't affect the rate. So it just kind of depends. But down payment, credit. Um, what would you say is the average credit score of a first-time buyer? You know, to get a good I would say a few years ago, there wasn't as much education out there or tools where people could monitor their credit. Now there is. Um, but I would say, I mean, to get a mortgage, you have to be over six, well, most of the time over 620. Mm -hmm. Um, but the averages I would say would be anywhere from there to 750 or so. To get the best interest rate on a normal loan, you want to be over 740, 760. Okay. Um, and I am just seeing better credit scores overall because of the tools out there now. And is that your mm. lowest? Like, does it have because there's three credit scores, right? Mm -hmm. And it has to be your lowest one that's the highest, or how does that work? So there are three credit bureaus: so Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. And when we pull your credit, we get all three, and we use the middle one. Middle one. Middle. And then if you're applying with somebody else, we use both your middle, middle ones, the lower of the two. Okay. Oh, like so, your husband and wife. You yep. use both of them? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so do we have another question? Yes, we had another question. This was from Jess in Northwest Portland. And she asked, um, I want to buy, but don't have a lot saved for a down payment. Can I even buy? Um, Good question. I get that all the time. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of people think you need 20% down or their parents tell them, you know, mortgage insurance, which is something you have if you don't have 20% down some, most of the time. Um, but that's not true. So some down payment programs that are out there, depending on the lender, could go as low as $500. Oh. Um, or 3% is kind of the average if, you know, you, because a lot of those first-time homebuyer programs are income-based. And mm -hmm. so depending on how many people you have in your household and county and all of that. So I won't bore you with that. But mm -hmm. um, that is why you should just meet with a loan officer. Yeah. Because yeah. you just don't know. Um, what's out there. Not every lender has all these first-time homebuyer programs available. Some have, you know, things that others don't. Um, so it's kind of good to do your research. And I will say, like, this is another, you know, point onto the market shift is that, yeah, when we were seeing the crazy appreciations of 11 12% year over year, we were in a position where buyers that had low down payments were not getting the house. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're in multiple offer situations. You're up against people with a 20% yeah. down. It was harder if yeah. you had low down. You could mm -hmm. still do it, absolutely. Okay. But it was harder. And so yeah. that's a shift that I've seen recently is the people that have the 3% down are able to compete. You yeah. know, this is a better market yeah. for them. I so. agree. I agree completely. I had a – I'll just share a quick story about some the success I had this year – in the beginning of the year, when it was still pretty competitive, I had some first-time home buyers. They didn't have a lot of money. 
I think they only had like $5,000 down and then they needed a credit for closing, closing costs. costs. Mm-hmm. And um, they needed like a big credit, like six $7,000 credit. And so when they went in at their highest and best, which is the absolute highest they got qualified for, they were up against five other offers and they got it even with all of the, the low down payment and the $7,000 credit from the seller. We got it, and it was awesome. It's also because they had a great agent. And, then, and that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> their, their team makes a big I mean, I will say, and that's something that we'll go into in future episodes as well about talking about what what you can do to help yourself win in this market or in, yeah. in, in a multiple offer situation. Because that's what Angela and I specialize in, and what, what I really pride myself in is representing my client and putting their best foot forward for them. And in that situation with these clients, the agent actually told me they had another offer that was pretty much identical to ours, but they chose us because of the way I presented them. And I yeah. was like, yeah, I am a rock star. <laughs> and it's true. Good job. <laughs> I feel like reputation is really important. So that's yeah, for is. another time. For another future episode Thank for sure. you for listening. Yes, thank you, we everyone. We'll be back for episode number three. Yeah, please Look listen in episode three. Subscribe. And please send us more of your questions. Yeah, and questions. We yes. need questions, whether yeah. real estate or not. Yeah, business, again, this is mom. about balancing yep. your work and in life. Portland. In Portland. Wedding Anything planning. About Portland. <laughs> uh, yeah. help us with that now <laughs> yeah alright thank you everybody thank you so much